My biggest worry was finding the teachers and that turned out to be the easiest part of it all. And the hardest part was definitely finding the students. I noticed I needed help when I was trying to do everything on my own and not having enough time to get everything done. Look at your market, help you do some marketing research to determine whether the product is viable or the service is viable. Because sometimes it's just not. It could be a great product, but you just can't turn it into money. This is the Language of Business, a podcast to inform and inspire entrepreneurs. Anyone thinking about a startup or a business pivot or just getting underway and looking for some help. Learn about strategies that work and strategies that don't work from experts who've been there and done that. I'm executive producer Don Kelly. Our host is Greg Stoller, Harvard MBA and senior lecturer at Boston University Questrom School of Business. In this episode, we look at mentors and what they do and what mentees get out of it. Here's Greg Stoller. Thank you, Don. When you go to start a company that focuses on tutoring, what is your first order of business? Training the teachers or focusing on the students? We're joined with CEO and co-founder of Intertutoring, Ben Reidler, and welcome to the Language of Business. Hi, thank you so much for having me. What caused you to start Intertutoring? Yeah, so it's actually a funny story. It was an experience I had in my freshman year of college. It was my first semester and I was about to take my first midterm ever in college and it was for econ 101 and so i went online panicking as a freshman and i uh, tried to find the most reputable brand out there to help me and you know find a tutor and i found this company varsity tutors they found a, an amazing graduate econ student for me to help me prep for my midterm and the day before my lesson i had to send in my syllabus so that he can get a better understanding and as soon as he read my syllabus he then declined the lesson and i was stuck without one and the reason they gave me was because my specific syllabus for this class touched upon some things that he wasn't familiar with so he couldn't help me and that kind of got the gears turning in my head and had me go and ask some of my friends to see if this had happened to them. And the more and more I talked to friends and peers, the more I kind of saw that there was a lot of econ tutoring out there and there was a lot of math tutoring and computer science tutoring, but there were a lot of discrepancies in what different universities taught, a lot of different ways professors like to adjust the curriculum. And so not everyone was able to help you. That's kind of how I started. How did you do on the test, by the way? Thank God I ended up pulling an all-nighter and, you know, the test went great. But after I slept for a while. Uh, I can just imagine. So, Ben, how do you go about finding students to tutor and the teachers themselves? For the tutor side, we mainly just go on Facebook groups, Instagram groups, course-specific groups. And I also utilize, you know, the network that I have, whether it's through organizations I'm in or friends that I have. And word of mouth seems to be the most effective way to get tutors to sign onto the platform. And that's kind of like the easiest part, at least from what we've seen. And from the students' end, we use those same Facebook group, Questrom specific BU Facebook groups or University of Miami business groups or Chem 101 prep groups. And so we kind of put out a lot of posts through those. Greek Life is also a great avenue that we recently discovered has been a hit for us where Greek Life is able to post it throughout their pages and their own channels. Those are the main ways. Are these groups that you and your team proactively create or do the students sort of do it on their own organically? Yeah, there are already existing groups. Like surprisingly, there are a lot of existing Facebook groups out there that are get pretty niche as well. So there's, for instance, like a business school group and then there's a class specific group that already exists. And so either myself or someone on my team joins the group and we just post, if anyone needs help that's beyond 
a professor beyond office hours and you need some, you know, one-on-one -on -one lengthy in-depth tutoring, check us out. And how does your revenue model work? We charge, if you get a one lesson pack, so just a one lesson, it's $60. If you buy five lessons, then I believe it works out to be $45 per lesson. And then around $40 a lesson, if you get a 10 lesson pack, what we've found is that it's around half the price of these like varsity tutors or Wyzant, these large scale tutoring companies. And the tutors also get paid $30 an hour, which is significantly higher than a lot of the part-time jobs that are offered right now, you know, in university. So for a $60 per hour lesson, there's a 50-50 split between the teacher and your company. Yeah, exactly. I think the majority of our lessons are bought through the 10 lesson package. And what are the qualifications for the teachers? Are they students who had to get an A or an A minus in the class or anybody who happens to be a junior or senior or maybe even a grad student? So the qualifications are as long as you're a student that has taken and provided proof of taking the course and receiving an A minus or above in that course. Part of Inta's expansion has involved going beyond Boston University. How did that come to fruition? Naturally, we were trying to expand after successfully launching at BU and doing a full semester there, growing just throughout the semester. And first goal was to find a school that we could, you know, utilize the network in. And so we went to Babson University because business was our number one best-selling subject. And it was a pretty small school. So we thought we could manage the network pretty well there. And as it turns out, all of the school's resources are geared towards business tutoring and everyone's kind of pretty familiar with how to take the business classes and they have enough friends that kind of know the material. So the tutor side of the platform was there, but the demand wasn't as much. We pulled out and kind of readjusted and decided to find a school that's as similar as possible to Boston University. And so we found, you know, Drexel University and University of Miami have very similar student bodies and very similar split in uh, what classes the students take. But I'm intrigued because my guess is if some of your tutors are cheating and basically going direct with the students through word of mouth, you'd sort of find that out pretty quickly, right? Because everybody talks. But if you're talking about non-BU students, tutoring non-BU students, how do you ensure that everybody is following the rules? One of the things is that we only offer virtual lessons, which has definitely helped in terms of, you know, outside contact. Once you're on the Zoom, you can do whatever you want, but we have our own messaging gateway. So all the messages take place on the website. So those can be monitored and you could see if someone's arranging alternative ways to go outside the platform. Second, what we see is a lot of students buy one lesson. It goes really well. They buy the 10 lesson pack because, you know, maybe they don't just need help in econ, but also in math, or they just need twice a week lessons in econ. And once you buy the 10 lesson pack, there's no justification for going outside of the platform and arranging some sort of other lesson. And as it rolls over to next semester, you're taking new subjects. And so you're gonna to need to find a tutor again to start that over with. You aren't really able to form that long-term bond with that tutor. When you first started into what was your primary objective? Finding the teachers or finding the students? My biggest worry was finding the teachers. And that turned out to be the easiest part of it all. And the hardest part was definitely finding the students or getting the name out there. We realized quickly that we had a really high retention rate, like right away, students who took one lesson would buy either one, five or 10 right away within the same day. Our issue was getting our name out there and that was the main emphasis since then. And does INTA mean anything special? Yeah, it stands for I need the A plus. Terrific, Ben, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Ben Reidler, the CEO and founder of I need the A plus or Intertutoring. Back to you, Don. Thanks, Greg. 
Next up, we hear from a mentor with SCORE Boston and a mentee whose small business was helped by SCORE when the language of business continues. I didn't even realize what it meant to be in a top tier business school until my first day. And I just really, for the first time, felt like I was in a place where everybody knew what was going on and everyone was incredibly driven to study this and perfect this field. And so I think being in a top business school really means that you are finding the barriers and the edges of the field and pushing them a little farther. And that's what Questrom has taught me over the past four years. The curriculum at Questrom is really helpful because you get to not only study the basics of business, such as accounting or marketing, but you really get to dive further in and to see applications of the health sector and how business applies to sustainability efforts around the world. They really want us to kind of focus it on four emerging areas, and those areas were healthcare, security, sustainability, and technology. Those are really where the jobs are going to be. They really want us to come out from the Question School of Business and, like I said, be able to work in any area of the industry. Interested? Go to bu.edu slash Questrom. You're listening to The Language of Business and our look at mentors and mentees at SCORE Boston. Back to Greg Stuller. Thank you, Don. So many businesses want to have mentors but don't know where to find them or even if they do find one, what to do with their advice. We're on location with Tim Nelson, who just celebrated his five-year anniversary with SCORE, the International Mentoring Service, and one of his mentees, Erica Davis. Welcome to both of you to the Language of Business. Thanks, Greg. Thank you. Tim, you just celebrated, as I mentioned a few moments ago, a huge milestone being a mentor with SCORE. Congratulations. How did you first get started? I was actually, once I sold my business, I was looking for something to do. I went back to school to get my MBA, did a variety of things. And I was talking to my oldest sister one day and she said, why don't you try SCORE? So I looked at it, did some interviews with SCORE and realized this is exactly what I was looking for. What I wanted to do was help people start businesses with based on the knowledge I had gotten from uh, building my own. And I also wanted to have a place where I could continue to learn and keep my brain functioning. And what sort of training do they provide you? Well, when you get there, you do two or three months of co-mentoring. So you get to see a wide variety of mentors and see what their specialties are and how you should answer questions, how you should deal with clients, sometimes even dealing with difficult things. One of the first things they teach you in training is we do not judge at all. We don't judge people's ideas. We just help them, whether they start their business or they don't end up starting the business. We don't judge, we just help. Why would people come to SCORE as opposed to an incubator, an accelerator, or using a paid consultant? We're an all-volunteer company. We actually have a rule. We can't invest in your company. One of the things when you come to SCORE, you're getting advice, and that's all it is, with nothing that would make it be, I'm trying to make money off of you, or I'm going to make introductions to people that are going to make money off of you. Everything we do is in your best interest. That's why I think SCORE is, is so successful. And how does the organization pair you with a mentor? Do you have to be local? Do you have to have relevant past industry expertise, help us understand that element of the puzzle, please. You used to have to be local. I live in Canton. I used to go into the O'Neill building in downtown Boston once a week to do meetings. So it'd have to be people from Boston or people to be willing to come in. Once COVID hit and we started doing Zoom, it doesn't matter where you are. So I have clients from all over the country now. It just depends on my expertise. You can come and meet with us for any reason at all. I've actually had people where I've helped them with their resume. And what services do you provide when you say anything at all? We take it from soup to nuts. 
First time you come in, we probably are doing a little bit of triage. And what we're trying to do is determine if I'm the right fit for you. And if I'm not, I'm going to find somebody who is, or I'm going to team up with somebody who is. That's probably the first meeting. And then we actually supply people. We teach you how to do a business plan. We help you with your human resource issues. We help you with your accounting issues. We help you with your legal issues. And what I spend a lot of my time on is teaching people how to sell. Almost all the entrepreneurs that come through the door at store do not know how to sell. And then they always tell me that I don't know how to sell. Well, we teach you how. We teach you how to write the right message about your product or service, how you get it onto your website and how you get it into your materials. And how do you actually say it to people? Three, six, nine months into an engagement, how do you benchmark the success of your clients? We usually meet with our clients monthly. We set goals after each meeting. So the first thing I'm going to look at is, are you actually completing the goal? And if you are, then you have a chance. So if we're six to nine months into it, we probably looked at your market, helped you do some marketing research to determine whether the product is viable or the service is viable. Because sometimes it's just not. It could be a great product, but you just can't turn it into money. And the other thing that I'm, I'm going to look at with all of my clients by nine months is I'm going to do at least a 12-month cash flow. So we're going to look at what the startup costs are and you, what your fixed costs would be and where, how would you get to your break-even point? How many sales of your service or product would you have to make to get to break-even? And then let's start setting goals on how much money you'd like to make. So that's where I'd like to be by six to nine months. Thank you. Let's bring Erica into the conversation. Welcome. How and when did you find SCORE? I found SCORE because I was connected to the city of Boston's business program where they help small businesses with funding for creating websites, logos, business plans. And I was meeting with someone from there and I was telling them that I needed support with creating a website. They connected me to SCORE, who they work closely with, and they said, before we help you create your website, we're going to connect you with SCORE so they can help you develop a business plan. In order for me to get my website, I had to go to school and work with them and develop a business plan. How long after you started your business did you realize you needed help? I noticed I needed help when I was trying to do everything on my own and not having enough time to get everything done. And then being that I, I'm in the city of Boston, I'm like, what programs are free for small businesses that are startups? And what exactly does your business do? My business is a woman-owned development company and we focus on new developments that can be a getting a project and development from the ground up, or it can be a complete rehab, rehabbing the project, and then holding it for rents and adding it to our portfolio. And we also do fix and flips. So what specific services outside of building your website are you looking for from someone like Tim? Tim helped me develop my business plan and not only helped me develop my business plan, I also work with someone within SCORE named Margaret, and she helped with creating a strategic marketing plan. Tim and me right now is creating a performer for all of our properties, which shows the cash flow. Um, as he mentioned before, he wants business to say, how much money are you making? How much money are you spending? What is your profit and loss? We know that as business owners, but sometimes you actually don't put it on paper and you need someone to help you put the information on paper. So if I'm going for funding for a new project, I have everything that the bank is looking for. Do you ever see a natural inflection point of sorts that you feel you could graduate from SCORE or would you rather continue working with them for say the next two or three years? For me, SCORE is going to be a long-term relationship. There's always new things that's gonna come up with my business that I'm gonna need support with. Now that I'm creating my website, 
it's like now I have to create a, a bio. I have a bio, but my bio needs to be updated. So I'm going to go back and say, hey, can you help me with my bio? They're going to need professional pictures of me, right? And I'm going to need ideas. Where should I take these pictures at in city of Boston? So it's really going to capture viewers and draw them to my social media or to my website. So it's really having someone who can give you ideas and help widen your perspective in areas where you may not have the expertise. So for me, it's going to be a long-term relationship. They say that the value of anything you get for free is potentially suspect. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night wondering what you could have gotten or might get in the future if you started paying for customized consulting services? I was on the hand where I'm one of those people where I don't mind paying people for things that I cannot do. So I was at the point when I was like, city of Boston may take too long to create a website. I can look into paying someone. However, sometimes you got to take advantage of free resources. So I had to take a step back and Tim was like, hold up, let's see if we can get you to get the website for free. So I believe that if you can get it for free, take advantage of it. And sometimes you just got to be patient enough and believe that it's all going to work out. Very inspiring. Congratulations and best wishes for your continued success. Tim Nelson, mentor, Erica Davis, mentee. Thanks to both of you for joining us today on The Language of Business. Thanks, Greg. Thank you. Back to you, Don. Thanks, Greg. Support for The Language of Business is from Boston University Questrom School of Business. We're available wherever you get podcasts or ask Alexa. Social media is by Jennifer Powell of the Excellent Writers Group. Music by Randy Barth of Oswe Media. Consulting producer is Helen Tierney of Happy Accident Productions. Audio production, editing, and voiceover by yours truly. Special thanks to Mike Carruthers of somethingyoushouldknow.net. For Greg Stoller and the entire team, I'm Don Kelly. Thanks for listening to The Language of Business.